Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book. I'm a registered dietitian, now what? And it's where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially my favorite people, registered dietitians. My conversation today is with Jen Haugen. She is known as the down-to-earth dietitian and author who has written her first book, The Mom's Guide to a Nourishing Garden. As a new author myself, my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, is available for purchase in paperback and as an ebook at annelizabethrd.com, where you can catch up on my blog posts each Wednesday and everything Anne Elizabeth. Jen is known nationwide as the down-to-earth dietitian, and I really couldn't agree more. I've been lucky to be a nutrition communicator for Midwest Dairy with Jen for the past four years and getting to know how her personal life has really influenced her professional life. She has come full circle with her passion of gardening, nutrition, and nourishing the lives of others, especially her family and moms. As long as I have known Jen, I had no idea how deeply rooted gardening was in her life. It is wonderful how she is sharing her love for growth from the ground with growth at home around the dinner table. She's been a clinical dietitian at Mayo, a retail dietitian, and a media expert. She is now in her current role where she is impacting the lives of children in the school food service area and becoming a newly published author. I am excited to share her story thus far, so please enjoy my conversation with Jen. So when you think back to your childhood, Mm -hmm. is that when you started getting interested in food? And I think, I guess, yeah, if I remember like certain moments, yes, I was always drawn to like opening the drawer that had the cookbooks in it. And, like, pulling one out and flipping through it like it was a children's book. But it wasn't, obviously. (laughs) It was a church cookbook that had all these people's names that I kind of knew. And so I was drawn into, oh, she made that recipe. Because you knew the people. Yes. We had a cookbook like that when I was growing up. But there was no pictures. It was just recipes. Yeah, it was like someone did a typewriter, you know. Yeah. (laughs) And they took a copy machine and copied it. Yes. So is that kind of like your first maybe moments of that's what I remember. But how I also, old do you, how old were you then? I w- probably my daughter's age now, then maybe eight nine. That's interesting. That's a but interesting. Before parallel. that, I was even doing like gardening stuff. You were, but I don't think I really intentionally put any of that together. You know, we were in the garden because that's what our family did. That's when we did it together. So or that's me, one activity we did together. That so that was a family. like, yeah. So that was something I think that I'm now thinking back how cool that was because we were always then in the garden together, like even my dad, mom, siblings, myself, and picking things, taking care of it, weeding it, whatever it was, you know. It was a family activity. Yeah. And so in my book, I asked my mom, well, before my book, but I asked my mom, like, what, why did you want us to be in the garden? Like, what was it? And she said it was because we were all together. We were all together. Nobody was an expert. Everybody was learning from each other. So it was just something that was like a family activity. So, so. like your mom, did your mom like gardening then? Yes. Yes. So in that fact, was, she works at a garden nursery now. Still. She does. <laughs> yeah. So that's definitely one yeah. of her passions. Yes. Yeah. She's always liked it. Mm-hmm. So she kind of made that a family She's in a activity. garden club. Is she? <laughs> she's, 
<laughs> she is very much a gardener, actually. And is it like food or is it flowers and both? Both. She likes both. And what's yeah. what do you like more? I like both too. You like both too. I do. So I mean, like I both. like the food gardening maybe slightly more, but I also really enjoy flowers. So when you guys were gardening as a family, was it more food then? Yeah, I would say it was vegetables, melons. It was a fairly big garden, so we could grow a lot of different things. Herbs, too. But we had flower gardens that were in a separate area. And those, I thought, or at least I remember thinking, just going out there and investigating and exploring and then cutting flowers and bringing them in and making a little arrangement, which I'd then take to the county fair. So I had all these little, like... So you did fair. I did, Mm -hmm. yeah. And that was fun. Did you do food stuff or just more flowers? I was really drawn to gardening. Gardening. And food and nutrition. But really didn't think that that was a career path. So you had all these little touches that you didn't really. Yes. So after you kind of were into the gardening with your family, you thought it was kind of more of a family event Mm -hmm. and you're kind of looking at cookbooks. So when did you kind of start building your interest in maybe nutrition was going to be Jen's career? Right. So (laughs) I was in my senior year and my plan was to become an accountant. (laughs) Oh, I don't know where that came from. Other than that, I had a high school accounting class and I just loved like adding the numbers up and the making sure the bottom line matched. I don't know. I think it was really the balance thing that I liked. That there was whatever a there was I don't yeah, there tangible was something, results. Yes. But when I think about it now, I would have never made a great accountant because I really <laughs> like being around people. I don't I mean I like math, but Doing that every day, nonstop, probably wasn't going to be a great choice for me. So my parents kind of nudged me into ask, or they said, you should go job shadow your aunt. So my aunt's a dietitian. She's now retired. And she was an outpatient clinic dietitian. And one day during the school year, I went and shadowed her. And that was the day I changed my whole direction. So had it not been for that... I probably would be in an office doing taxes. <laughs> I don't know. But, I couldn't see you yeah. doing that, honestly. Because I hate taxes now, so I don't think that that would have been a great choice. <laughs> Looking back, you're like, nah. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting that your aunt was a dietitian. Yes. And you never really, did you ever think, besides your parents nudging, that maybe no. you had an interest in that? Not at all. Not at all. So what changed when you went and saw her and spent time with her? So... I got, she had several clients because she was outpatient. So boom, 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 they'd come in. I know that she had like a diabetes um, patient with diabetes. She had someone with heart disease, someone with needing some weight management help. I know there was a child that came in. And so all these different clients came in. And I just, you know, kind of sat in the corner, but I was mesmerized by the fact that they would come in. They would talk about what's currently going on. She would offer them stuff different ideas on how to help them with their health and I was like what this is awesome like you can you can help people with food and then I think I started thinking well I love food I love nutrition I've always been trying to learn about this when I've been taking projects to the county fair so just kind of this is it this is the thing I need to do (laughs) yes yeah (laughs) so that thing well thank goodness you figured out your senior year in high school so then that kind of led to where you were going to go to college so take me through that yes so then I was trying to choose colleges and went to Minnesota State at Mankato and um was that close to home 
It was like an hour and a half. Okay. Yeah. So just yeah. far enough away, yes. but so close. Yeah. yeah. So that And they out. had a great program. I, I looked, for, looked at other colleges within Minnesota, but not all of them had the dietetics program. So I'd heard good things about this one and applied and went there. And then after college, I did my, I applied for internships and was able to get into Mayo Clinic, oh, which wow. was a really great internship. I would highly recommend anyone going there. It gives you a really good, strong clinical base, but also you get that huge community focus and then food service as well. So you get this really great understanding of what it is to be a dietitian. How long is the internship? It's about 11 months. Is it? So it's yeah, about a year. It's long. Is it mostly clinical focus? Mostly clinical. But yes. then you said it has that nice community yes. aspect. So what kind of community activities? Um, I I know that we had to build our own. This was a long time ago, Anne. <laughs> it like, wasn't where? that long ago. What did I do? I know we did some like Girl Scout stuff. We did some extension related things. Did you get to do any gardening during anything like extension no. maybe? No. No. We did some um, events with the local homeless shelter. Uh, we also had to plan our own week of like, they called it self-select. And so I did actually a school rotation. Hmm. Um, I think it was like a, probably a six week time period of community. And then the same with, that's a pretty good service. So yeah, yeah, you kind of, Oh, WIC was also part of that. This was before supermarket dietetics. So that wasn't really part of it, but I know now a lot of people will try and select that and spend a week with a supermarket dietitian did you ever waver between undergrad and your internship did you ever second guess your choice for being a dietitian yeah never never in fact I graduated a semester early from college so three and a half years oh my gosh and then (laughs) that's because I took a summer course or here and there too sure trying to get done and I was getting married so I wanted to get done oh well you had some motivation there (laughs) yes yes. (laughs) but even though so yeah I graduated in December of 1999 and I was so eager to become a dietitian that I knew I had some time between December and when an internship would start I just pitched the idea to the local high V and said, I could be your nutritionist. I knew I couldn't call myself a dietitian yet. And just give like healthy food tours and do some cooking demonstrations. And I had kind of based that on there was a dietitian working as a high dietitian in Mankato where I went to college. And I, had, I think I had spent, I don't know, a week or two with her and was really inspired by what she was doing and thought, hey, I could do that maybe, you know, see how that works. And wrote the letter I mean this is like back in the day where you wrote a proposal and sent it in the mail <laughs> now you're really dating yourself yeah I know <laughs> it's not that long ago, but still but um I don't not hardly even email I mean there was email was starting to get email was there but not everyone and then I got a phone call you know like a real person call you <laughs> calls me and it was the store director and said hey I got your letter and I think we should do it so I was like, okay. <laughs> you had you were not thinking that was going to happen. No, I just thought I'm just going to try it. So I guess I've kind of always had that little sense of I'll take a risk, but at times in my life there's always been like fear of risk too. So but that was a time of bravery, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you were not even in you weren't even in your internship yet and you took that on as this is what I want to do. Yeah. And they were 
What a great. Yes. And they knew it was temporary because I had my internship to come. So maybe it was a good small risk for them to try to. So that would have been in uh, 2000, which I don't know at that time how many dietitians were at Hy-Vee. I don't think there was. I think it was, I think at the, that level, it was more of the corporate level. Yeah. And I think it was yeah. contracted at yeah. that point. Yeah. So And so I know that at while I was there, that the store director spoke about this at the corporate office. And I think there was rumblings then starting whether people were, were there. You were kind of the start of I was some I supermarket guess. retail yeah. dietitian business. Yes. yes. That and is so exciting. Yeah, it was it was a really fun role, you know, graduating from college. I didn't want to lose my nutrition knowledge. So this was a way I could use it without having to be more in a clinical setting where you'd have to be a dietitian and so how did you, what did you do in that time period then yeah. when you were that nutritionist and you were starting that new role? Mm-hmm. What was your focus or what did so, you do? I did a lot of cooking demonstrations. I remember demoing soy, like crumbles. Like tofu? Uh, crumbles. Uh, yeah, like the crumbles. I do specifically remember that. I also remember creating meal plans with recipes from magazines. <laughs> Like, I I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know. I just grabbed some magazines and would literally type out a seven-day menu plan for a family based on these recipes. Which then, like, at the time, this was all, like, very rudimentary, you know? Like, this was a packet. I'm going to give you a packet of recipes and a shopping list. But then later, when I did become a Hy-Vee dietitian for real, several (laughs) years later, here there were pamphlets with those, not my recipes, but the same kind of idea. Yeah. That's cool. But I liked that part. I liked kind of giving people tools. Connecting to Mm -hmm. make family meals and family dinner time easier. Yeah. I did no idea you did that. That's really neat. So so worked as a Hy-Vee nutritionist, Mm -hmm. went to your internship. Mm -hmm. And then during that time, when you thought of what you wanted to do when you became a dietitian, did you still kind of like that high V focus or what, when it came to the job search? I fell in love with the clinical side at that point and maybe a little bit with Mayo Clinic. <laughs> Just oh, because well, it's like a really not? great place to be. And so I applied for, there were like three openings. When you were done. When I finished, yes. And so got one of those as a relief dietitian. And I, that's the position I actually really wanted because I knew that it would take me all kinds of places within Mayo. So you would get to work in every yes. department. I would just basically cover people's days off. So I got to know like 15 different specialties, oh, which, which was a lot. But it was like neonatal. It was pediatric. It was adult, geriatric, and then everything in between there. So transplant, cardiac, GI. Um, that's exciting. Anything and everything. VIPs. What is which VIPs? Were those, those were fun. Those were like people of like stars. high status, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> that were so, just needed nutrition uh, intervention. So many people come to Mayo Clinic from all over the world. That's true. So I never thought of that. You, yeah. There was, you got to do some, you had some of that exposure, which was fun. I would have seen that's yeah. one part of being yeah. at that clinic I would have no idea that that was even a component yeah I could see why you wanted to be a relief dietitian yeah so it was yeah it was just kind of a really fun balance I liked getting to know different things learning a lot meeting different people did you work full-time then I was full-time yeah 
So that's until my son was born. Okay. And then I went down to 0.8. So how long was your full-time stint? Um, three years probably. And then you had your baby. Yeah. And so you did relief the whole time. Yes. During that time. Exciting. And then after my daughter was born, which would have been two years later, I actually went to like a 0.6 and then actually did a job share in the trauma ICU. Wow. You, and that's not an easy area. That wasn't an easy area. No, No, not at all. It was, I liked it because it was a challenge. You know, you're trying to figure out how you can feed someone that is not walking or talking or, you know, somebody's totally unconscious. But then seeing all the trauma actually started getting to me a little bit. And so much so that even just driving was scaring me because trauma is a lot of motor motor accidents, you know, whether it's motorcycle, snowmobile, anything, Mm -hmm. automobile. And so I had a hard time separating myself a little bit from that because I felt like what happened to this person was going to happen to me the next day. And so I kind of started developing some anxiety from this and, and other things too, but it just kind of all manifested, manifested. Yeah. Yeah. You're thinking, so yeah, I can see that I worked in, I, I worked in a trauma hospital too. And I had work weekends, and so we had to cover the whole hospital. And Mm -hmm. I would watch the news on Friday night to see the traumas, to see what I was going to have to deal with. And then I started, like you, I started to get anxiety because I just, Mm -hmm. I did start to think that could happen to me. Right. That could happen to my my family. Right. That kind of stuff. You just personalize it. And I think that's part of being a dietitian because we care so much. You know, we have so much compassion. And so. So you were taking that on yourself a little bit. And then. So I'm kind of like thinking, what am I going to do about this? Having these thoughts. (laughs) I can't keep doing this. struggling, honestly, struggling, you know, having moments in the ER myself and trying to figure out how this was going to be managed. And then I'm walking through Hy-Vee one day, doing my own grocery shopping. And one of the pharmacy techs in the pharmacy says, hey, did you know we're going to hire a dietitian? And she remembered me from when I was there. So this is the same Hy-Vee? years prior, yes. Wow. And I was like, no, <laughs> but let me get my resume together. <laughs> You're typing it up, updating it. <laughs> yes. So was the same store director there? No, no, totally different. different okay. Yeah. yeah, but so you apply. It all worked out. Yes, yes. Had the interview. And then did you and do point six? Did you do kind of like the same time I, when yes, you started? I was twenty four hours a week at, when I started at Hy-Vee. Yeah, so three days I think it was. So how different was it being back there eight years later? It was different because things had grown so much and so many tools were already in place. I didn't have to write my own meal (laughs) plans anymore. (laughs) From magazines. Right. Like, oh, that salad looks good. Oh, that'll match that. But, you know, like, it was fun for me at the the first time because I used my meal planning management class, right? (laughs) Put this together. And the then colors for this go well. <laughs> Nutrients. You're all thinking these of it looking pretty on the plate. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then I was thinking also, you know, at the time of applying for Hy-Vee, I'm like, what are the possibilities here? This is a whole preventative type of an atmosphere. I can talk to people. I can educate them so they don't end up in the hospital. Completely opposite of what and, you were doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And they want to be educated. Where in the hospital? Honestly, people are leaving and you're like, well, you got to do this and this. And they're like, I don't care. 
I just want to go I'll, home. I just want to get the heck out of yes. here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it was very enticing to me to be on the other side of that proactive side of wellness versus reactive side. I had a couple of um, opportunities too when I was at Mayo that kind of inspired me to be more aware of media. So while I was at Mayo, they were doing some videos, some DVDs. I don't want to date myself too much. It wasn't VHS. (laughs) It was DVDs. Um, Some professional ones though that they were trying to like capture for patients so they could learn like for instance about diabetes and different facets of that and so someone came into our office one day and said we'd really like some dietitians to help work on this and nobody wanted to do it <laughs> so you're kind of like hmm right you know like you're used to just kind of working in your own little office and talking to your patients but tv cameras you know in a hospital setting kind that's of bizarre. intimidating yeah. sure but i was like you know what i want to try that and there wasn't really any media training. <laughs> so we showed up at a doctor's house and did hair and makeup and go. Okay. We had kind of a little script, but there was no practice. And honestly, I was like a deer in the headlights at that point because there was 10 or 15 people, you know, boom mics and cameras and lighting. It's really perfect. And then all on me. And I'm like, I can't say anything. Like there was nothing coming out of my mouth. And then they even had to stop and say, okay, just think of the camera as your grandma. (laughs) As your grandma. The camera is your grandma. (laughs) You'd select a little different if it was grandma, but that's interesting. (laughs) Because I was just like, "Uh," you know, there was no preparation. So anyway, I worked through it. Do you still I have, have the, a copy? Do you have the DVDs? I was going to say, I would I've want to see. never watched it. <laughs> You've never watched it? Okay, well, we're going to have a future viewing party of this. Yes. And then we're going to watch one of your current videos and we're going to compare we and contrast. compare it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Since you came a long way. Right. That's interesting. But it opened my mind to the possibilities of like, huh, video work sounds fun. And then there was not too long after that, we have a local PBS station and they have a weekly television show that focuses on different issues and this time they were going to focus on childhood obesity and I don't know how I got asked to be part of it but I was one of the guests one of <laughs> the experts so, one of the experts and so I got to do that and, and so that go? was that better from that the, was better yeah, yeah. Because you're like talking to a real person sure, and not sure. a camera. Not, just a, not to your grandma <laughs> slash grandma camera. camera. <laughs> <laughs> Too bad your grandma wasn't there to help out. <laughs> Picture even right on the camera. Right there with the camera. Agent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that was kind of, I don't know, enlightening. So then becoming a high V dietitian. The opportunity. I naturally then at that point was thinking, oh, let's see if I can do some video work. And so tried to get into the local ABC station with just some pitches that I would put together around the holidays, which I think the first one was Halloween. Just some fun ideas that you could do with your kids and did that. That went well. Did one around Christmas. That went well. And I think it was like February-ish. Yeah, it was around Super Bowl time that there was my third one that I thought, this is another idea. And at that point, they started asking me, like, would you like to make this a regular thing? And I'm like, yes, please. (laughs) I like this. Yes. But at that time, too, then it was going to be a live. Um, So you were doing taped. I was doing taped before. And oh no, actually, you know what? It was live. And so I had a taste of like, okay, be here at five in the morning. 
you can That's only so early. you can only set up during commercial breaks because <laughs> everything's all in the same studio and we don't we don't want it loud. Yes. yes. So they offered me the idea of doing it regularly and we started something called Fresh and Simple and it was like Memorial Day week was the week we started it and it was meant to run from Memorial Day to Labor Day like some fresh and simple ideas for you to do this summer based on like fresh stuff you can buy, get from your garden or buy from the supermarket and talk about the nutrition. So we'd kind of focus on one specific vegetable and then how to use it. And then you'd build your pitch around yeah. a certain, did you create all that content I did. yourself? I did. Yes. So, so that like, was a lot of work to put media pitches, content, go on set. Yes. So was it once it a month? Once a week. Once, once a week? Yes. Like oh every gosh, Tuesday. Jen. Yeah. That's a lot. But it was fun. Did I you really love it? liked it a lot. Yes. And by kind of mid to late summer, they were like, I don't think we can quit this at Labor Day because we've got a lot of people asking, like, oh, I, or saying, I really like this a lot. Oh, God. What? And it was in the morning. It was in the morning. The show ran from 5 to 7, I believe, or 5.30 to 7. And this ran at 6.10. So you're on. So I literally had to be there at 5. To get set up and yes. make sure you're ready to go. Yes, yeah. But and it didn't it was, ever seem like work to you. It was just something that no, was kind of yeah. second nature. Was, yeah, you could and I got to it. interact with one of the anchors. So he was interviewing me, kind of. I mean, we were just talking about the food, and I didn't have to think of the camera as grandma anymore <laughs> because I was talking to a real person, and it was just super low-key and relaxed. So... And you didn't have an audience. No audience mm -hmm. other than, you know, the few news Camera people that people. were there. Mm -hmm. I was very much less intimidated compared to my first <laughs> DVD that I made <laughs> that I was like, what? I can't talk. Right? Yeah. Or this was just really natural. So did you do that the whole time you were at Hy-Vee then? Pretty much. How many years yes. was that then? A solid, I would say four or five that's a lot yeah. of media. Yes. I mean, that's a ton. Because I remember count it. It was over two hundred and fifty segments. That and you we kept taped. that same time in that seg seg same segment. Yes, throughout that whole. But time. after probably six months of doing it live, they actually offered me an opportunity to tape it ahead, so I would actually come the and day tape. before to their set setup after their you know after the show was done, and then um, tape it and it would just run. Nobody knew that it wasn't live. Actually, a lot of people thought I was still getting that you up were early. there. <laughs> and so I was like, was yeah, so yeah. Was that one but, of your favorite parts of your job yes, at Hy-Vee? Definitely. And I think that's what I liked about Hy-Vee is that you could kind of create what you really liked or, or focus do what on. you really wanted to do. Yeah. Was there yeah. anything else while you were at Hy-Vee that you really enjoyed doing that you got to do? <laughs> the other part that I really like doing is classes. And it started with cooking classes. But when I was interviewed to become a hy dietitian that second time, really, um, the question was posed to me by the store director of, what is your dream if you were hired? And I was like, hmm, I already know what it is. <laughs> because I had this kind of like epiphany with things going on in the community. And it was to start a garden for kids and have them learn about food and how it grows and then what to do with it, how it can be really fun and tasty to grow and eat vegetables and fruits. And I know that that was based on my experience from, from long, your long ago. It kind of yes. started creeping out. Yes. And just kind of noticing that kids weren't eating the most healthy choices and not knowing where their 
food really came from, you know, like how does a carrot grow, that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I just felt like that was, that was your dream. That was my dream. So what did your, what did your store director say when you told him that? You're crazy. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) How does that work with a grocery store? I, I, I think at the time he was like, wow, that sounds great. So, and then I, I mean, he still was very supportive. Um, once I was like, I think it's time to do this. So that was probably two years into my position at Hy-Vee where I, because I didn't work in the community before, because I was working at Mayo Clinic, but living in, in Austin, that I really didn't have a lot of connections until I started working at Hy-Vee. So I had to take a couple years to build those community connections, which I think is really important to do before you just go out and start a program. And because I had done that, and then I applied for a couple of grants that following spring of 2011. Which is the kind of when the in. garden yes. kind of thing started becoming yes. kind of trendy and having school gardens, community gardens, that right. type of stuff. Right. And did you get grants to help so we got support? Grants, yeah, like some um, statewide health improvement program grants to help build the garden and have a fence around it and a shed and a little hand washing station because I knew that it wasn't just going to be a garden. It was going to be a cooking class area as well. So so you had all that yes. on site by the garden. Yes. And this yes. was the, so your it was your dream was coming to fruition at mm-hmm. your job. Yep. And so. and it was just my little thing that I wanted to do. You know, it wasn't a company-wide program. It was just something that I was really passionate about and I was glad to have the support of the store director that he was willing to help with that. And I know that, you know, like when the grant came and we had the items that we needed to start building the garden, I had like tears in my eyes the day I walked out of the store and like a lot of the managers were actually helping build the fence. So at that, that was a moment where I felt like they really do support this idea. You know, you can say one thing, but what's your actions? They, that they, and they were behind louder. you. Yeah. So then I all, I, I went and bought them shakes. Because <laughs> it was like super hot. And I was like, thank you so much. I appreciate this. And you're yeah. all emotional. Yes. I, do you think you're emotional just because you were seeing it all come yes. out and it was all happening? And yeah, yeah, I think so. And that and just having people behind you, I think. Well, in a community garden setting, you need that. Right, right. And you're so used to it being a family, kind of a unit mm-hmm. thing. So that was kind of like your other family coming together. Right, right. To put that dream out there for yeah. you. Yeah, That's exciting. Yeah, it was fun. And then the classes started, and like midsummer there, the corporate people from Hy-Vee wanted to get a little tour because I know my store director was telling them about what I was doing. And so at that point they came and they were like blown away by what was happening there. They witnessed a class. They heard the kids comment how much fun they were having and yum, Swiss chart is great. You know, and they were like, what? (laughs) This doesn't happen. None of those adults probably like Swiss chart. So, (laughs) right, right. So then they kind of started talking about like, how can we make this more of an impact by having it go across the whole company? If a if a store should choose to have it in their in their community, so, so your program went to other locations within the company. Yes, so I ended up writing a manual for other store dietitians, and then had some webinars for training, and it became a 
company program, which I was like, really? That's <laughs> this was just my little thing that I was going to do at our store. But yeah, I mean, it was great to be able to spread that knowledge and share that and help other communities have impacts too. Well, and they obviously shared the same vision that you, or it seemed right. like the same dream of having that connection with their community. And that's right. really exciting. So yeah. your focus really as a high dietitian was media and your gardening. Pretty much. Those that, were my two things. That's that all I you really had time liked. for. Yes. That's all I had time for. Yeah. I did a lot of store tours too. I really, I really liked helping people where I could see that I was making a difference. And so and that's a great place to make a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So some of those aisle talks, you know, that you'd have with a customer, you find out some interesting yeah. things in the aisles. Yeah. And I think one thing that kept hitting me though, cause so, you know, I'm in my Hy-Vee position and actually it was 2000, end of 2013 garden had been going for three years. I got asked to do a Ted talk and I was like, oh, sure. I do community talks all the time. <laughs> Not really even thinking about, what is a TED Talk? <laughs> and I don't think a lot. I just recently. Yeah. So tell me more about that. Because I just recently learned a lot, a little bit about TED Talks. Yeah. So you've, since you've done one. Yeah. You tell yeah, me more well, about I that. I said yes. Oh, sure. I'll do that. You're right? like, yeah, I got this. So that was December. <laughs> and then it was going to be in March. And like February, I started to plan. And I'm looking at TED Talks and what they are. And I was like, what did I sign up for? (laughs) Because TED Talks are super intense. You want to give a message that's totally doable by anyone when they walk out the door. At least that's what I got when I was, you know, looking at different TED Talks. I felt like it had to be a super practical message. And some kind of idea that was worth spreading. So people would talk about it. You had to be really concise. You only get so much time. You had to, I think it's 18 minutes or less. That's not very And long. when you listen to TED Talks, there's almost like a rhythm almost, I feel like. You have to be really good at delivering. And I thought, I'm not, I'm not good at any of that. <laughs> you know, speaking on a whim is good. I know nutrition. Mm-hmm. What am I going to talk about? But at that time in my life, I was also having some issues of like, of just thinking about work-life balance. And I had taught all these classes to kids, really enjoyed them, but I would come home totally exhausted, beat, mentally just wanting to take a break and thinking, I have my own two kids at home and I can't even teach them because I don't have any energy left for me or for them. And so that was kind of an aha moment for me where I'm thinking, I'm teaching everybody else's kids about nutrition and food, but I'm not teaching my own. So I was sad about that, honestly. Yes, I understand. But it also was a motivator for me. And that's where then the TED Talk came from. So the TED Talk, the name of it is called How Moms Can Change the World. And I spoke from my own experience, you know, how I thought as a dietitian, like, my job is to change the world all around me. I can do it. Rah, rah. Which is kind of a, I don't know, not a good, it's good to want to help people, but not, I don't, I don't want to think of myself as the end all, you know. Mm-hmm. But, um, so I just started kind of researching about the power of a mom and the difference she can make in a family and the impact of her eating habits or how she prepares food on her family and came up with this talk, How Moms Can Change the World. And my two simple ideas were have a kitchen counter cooking school with your kids, like really just teach them how to cook 
because moms are the most influential in the home. And then have a garden with your kids because of the connection it can give you because it can help them eat healthier for a long, long time. Because I was noticing during all of this happening that when I'd talk to people in the aisles about their choices or, you know, if they came in because their cholesterol was high and they wanted to lower it, I'd start to ask them like, well, what are some of your favorite foods? What do you like to make at home for recipes? And they would always say, well, I make this because my mom made that. Mm -hmm. And these people were like in their 50s or 60s. (laughs) So you can see how things stick with you for a very long time. And I was like, oh, yeah, moms are super important to their families. Whether they're trying to be intentional about that or not, it's sticking with, with their kids for a very long time. The same recipes, the same brands, same products. I'm sure you have things that you have purchased because your mom bought them. I mean, I do. So, so that was my talk and I was first. (laughs) You were, (laughs) they were like, you're first on the lineup. I'm like, what? (laughs) So now not only am I doing this, I'm first, but at the same time being first is good. It's always good. Yeah. Then you can sit back. I can sit back and relax. (laughs) Yeah. And probably you were the best too. I don't know. I'll have to watch. I'm going (laughs) to definitely go watch it when I get done today. I brought a shopping cart. (laughs) To your, to your TED talk. I had a prop and I had food in it. Well, that's so that was unique. Absolutely, but, but yeah, it was good. It was a Saturday a morning early. Experience. Yeah, so I've never met someone that's in a TED talk. Oh, I'm that's kind of exciting. Yeah. Well, I, and I should clarify, it's a TEDx talk, so but that just means it's an independently organized TED in talk your community. They had to run it all through TED, but yeah, if it's in your own community, that's exciting. You that. So, what, when did you do that? How long ago was that? March of 2014. So, is that when you kind of had your revelation about? you know, the work-life balance, you mm-hmm. formulated this TED Talk, mm-hmm. and you realized you needed to be home with your kiddos yes. more. Yes, I needed to restructure a little bit. That's a good word. Yeah. I yeah. like that. And, yeah, be able to just, you know, when I'm, at, when I'm at work, I'm at work, but when I'm home, I'm not at work. And that was... I was having trouble with that because I'd bring work home, and partially because I was so passionate, like, oh, I want to do this, you know. And but I needed to turn. Yes, and I had a lot going on, so I needed to restructure. And at the same time, too, after I did my TED talk, I kind of th- was thinking, well, I think there's a book here, <laughs> and what does that look like? I think that it's somehow related to this idea. And I started kind of typing out some stuff, working on a chapter centered around those two ideas, you know, growing a garden with your kids and having a cooking or cooking school with your kids in your own house. And then, you know, I was at a really busy stage. So working and still working on work-life balance. And so I started it, but just put it to the side and said, eh, nobody's going to read this. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get to it. Maybe not. (laughs) If it's that important, I don't know. But it just, it just wasn't, I couldn't do it. But then I ended up leaving Hy-Vee, actually, in July, just a few months after You did the talk, the and then talk. you started kind yes. of thinking yes. book. And because then... another opportunity came my way, and it was working with the school district, working as a school nutrition dietitian. Is that something that you've always kind of wanted to try? Well, yeah, I think, I think it was something that was intriguing to me because of the schedule. You know, because it helped your kids with your work-life schedule. balance. Yes. Not going to be working at night, don't have to worry about weekends. I work when they're at school, you know, so it just really 
seemed enticing and it was going to be a part-time position. And plus I was wanting to kind of grow my own brand a little bit more and I wanted to focus on some nutrition communication work and separating myself from a retail role to me made sense then because I could do my brand work and I could do school nutrition work, having that stable kind of base income to build from. So so you were kind of thinking about doing your own media stuff or video, like maybe explain that to me a little bit better. Yeah, like um, like nutrition communications, like writing my blog, for instance, because I had started a blog like in 2012 while I was at Hy-Vee, just a personal blog sharing some recipes. And I really wanted to kind of see where that was going to go. So I wanted more time to focus on that. And then um, some social media related stuff. I I had a company that was interested in having me work with them as far as just helping them spread messages basically mm-hmm. about nutrition. So, so you were kind of feeling like you had that desire to want to just go out and do it on your own. Yes. Yeah. And I see think where I've, that would go. Yeah. I think I've always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit. Well, I would say but. you proposed, you said <laughs> yeah, a job. You're like, hey, I think you should hire a nutritionist. <laughs> I guess. I guess when you think of it that way, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I've always just had that brain that I feel like, you know, I want to try something on my own, see if I can do it. Well, same with the garden, too. I mean, that yeah. was something that you took yeah. a lot of initiative to do on your own. Right, right. So why can't you do all this for yourself? Right, right, right. Well, that's a good revelation to come yeah. to, too. yeah. And and I, I like a challenge. I think that I really do like a challenge. And once things stop being challenging for me, I th- I need to find something new, because it keeps me inspired to keep working when I'm challenged. So. So are you currently working still with the school? Yes. Yes. Yep. I'm working there part time. But and then my, are you doing all your fun? My stuff? Nu- nourishing nutrition communications. That's what I'm calling it. Oh, I like that. <laughs> yes. We're, you're, you're a nourishing person. So in all the things that you kind of do. Yeah, and I and that's become my passion. Really, is helping moms nourish their families well with the foods that they make in the kitchen and the foods that they can grow. And how that can really just grow a healthier family in lots of different ways. You know, it's not just about the nutrition that gets into your families, but it's also about that family meal time that you're sharing, the table that you're at, the garden that maybe you're all working in, and your kids are so excited about planting in the spring and harvesting. And so there's just so many components about being together. Being nourishing. Yeah, and being nourishing. Yeah. So book so you you shelved your book for a while so where are we at with the book now so last year so fancy 2015 I spoke about gardening with kids was asked to do that or be a part of a panel and share my story about my garden program that I developed but also kind of sharing for dietitians like how you can get involved in your own community and start a garden somewhere like that prepared all that had that great experience and then went to another session that was about (laughs) self-publishing right afterwards (laughs) pretty close probably pretty close yeah (laughs) and I'm thinking why don't I start working on that book (laughs) it's there it's still there it's still there (laughs) and then now I know how to do it with the self-publishing session and but then had still a sense of like, who's really going to read this? And can I really do it? But 
again, it poses a challenge for me. <laughs> you like that. And so I kind of set a goal and I said it out loud, I guess, to someone I knew and I didn't even remember saying it. Um, and she just reminded me of it actually too. She said, you said you last that? year you were going to write a book and you're going to have it in your hands in one year. And I was like, okay, <laughs> did I really, I don't know, but I went home had, you know, some fear, but I started working on it. And I think that was the best thing. I just spent one to two hours a day just plugging away. I had my outline, what I wanted to cover, and tried to stay consistent. Finished it in February of 2016. So this year? I mean, finished the writing part of it. Sure. Then comes the editing, which is kind of a monster. (laughs) Was that the most challenging part? For you, I, it was just kind of grueling. I would say just because just it gets long, part. and you're <laughs> reading, rereading what you wrote, and you just start to not, you just glaze over after a while. I mean, you have. I was working with someone else that helped. That was me. helping you. Yes, yes. But Do you think that's valuable to have? Oh, someone definitely. Def- you need definitely. someone to that yes. has that little bit more expertise. Yes. To work with you and yes. help you, and to also just see what you're writing to see if it makes sense. <laughs> because because you're, you probably look good in at here. It makes sense in your head. <laughs> it makes sense, but then you're like, I don't know what's this going to be like when someone actually reads it. Mm-hmm. So then worked on editing, and April twentieth, it was published. That on Am- so it was exciting. finally on Amazon, and it you know has the little picture, and it says <laughs> April twentieth, two thousand sixteen, and I was. I ordered my book. I ordered my copy. You did. <laughs> and when it arrived, it felt like I gave birth again. Did it? <laughs> Here it is. Because it was such a long, you know, it was probably about nine months procedure of just like spending one to two hours putting every yourself day. into this, like just continually putting all, you know, your heart and soul into the whole thing. And it's also, you know, really you're, you're putting yourself out there and you're a little bit vulnerable. And so then you have this book and you're like, okay, now what am I going to do with it? <laughs> kind of like when I had my kids. Okay. What now am I going to do? This thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's much more valuable to have well, a child. Absolutely. But, <laughs> but, it's, but you do. It's but the so... process is a little bit similar. Sure. So it's, and you named the book? The Mom's Guide to a Nourishing Garden. So it goes back to both of your two kind of yes. topics that you did mm-hmm. in your TED Talk. Mm-hmm. And you did kind of at your talk last year in Fancy. Yeah. And so I like to say that it is, it's a gardening book, yes, but it's also an inspirational book. It's got recipes in it. And it's, it's, I use the metaphor of a garden as how you can take care of yourself and your family as well. So there's lots of little pieces in there that I hope people connect with and um, that it resonates with them and that they're able to maybe pull pieces and say, I could do that or... I could readjust or re, re, you know, redo a few things to make things better. So, do you feel like with your own family that you, since you did decide to have that changing restructuring, mm-hmm. that it really did kind of lead you to producing this book because of you going through that similar process? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Had I not restructured, I would have not wrote this book. It wouldn't have been possible. So definitely, it had to. You know, I had to do that. And a lot of times change is hard, but it's also freeing. Like it allows you to kind of grow as well. So, And you felt that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Even though you had this fragile baby in yeah. your hands. Right. <laughs> it was right. freeing ultimately. Yes. And I was like, now what am I going to do with this? So, <laughs> so now I've been just kind of working on telling people about it 
in various ways, local book signings, um, having a booth at Fancy. Which I'm very excited about Some, doing. I know. It's going to be a lot of <laughs> Tomorrow. fun. Yeah. Yes. It's going to be fun. But And when you think about, if you had a set of, tell a message to dietitians that are maybe thinking about doing the same process, mm-hmm. what, you know, when you, is it hard? Is it worth it? When you look back, I mean, you said that it's great to work with somebody that kind of helps you with the process and mm-hmm. the editing, but you also have to, I think, come from a deeper place to help you produce it from your own fingers and your own thoughts. Right. So kind of for dietitians that maybe are thinking about writing a book, you know, do you have any advice for them or suggestions or? I think, yes, it's totally worth it. And I, I've told this to people a lot. I say, everybody has a book inside of them because everybody has a story to share. You, it may not be on your surface level. You're probably going to have to do a little digging, but it's definitely worth it, it. We're all drawn to stories and how someone else's life can affect your life and impact you and inspire you into something else. And I think that every dietitian can help someone. And even if it's just one person, and that was kind of my hope is like, can it just help one person? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's really powerful. And then to have your story is also kind of like a legacy of what you're leaving behind you. And hopefully that, you know, like I always think about historical figures that have written books and their books are still here, you know, it's true. and their lives. You think about some of the same things that they went through. We go through. Similar. So you learn. Yeah. I mean, it's a different time period, mm-hmm. but the struggles in life are still very much the same, I think. And how can we all navigate it? Yes. Or help each other navigate it? Yes. And I think when one person shares their story, even though it's super hard to do and it requires a lot of work, it's very much worth it. Well, I think that's inspiring, hopefully, for other dietitians that are pondering. Mm-hmm. Even if you write one page and you put it on a shelf for nine months and then right. <laughs> come back and then to start it, again. it's yes. okay. Yes. Because you're still trying to figure out your own story yes. to put into Sometimes events have to happen in order for you to be kickstarted or finally like make it all come together. Because if they don't happen, then you you don't reach that that spot. And I think the other thing that's really important too is once you start writing, don't stop writing. So, for example, you know, like when I was finally saying yes, I'm going to write this book, it would have been much harder for me to write on Monday and then when I felt like it start on Friday again, but instead I just, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And sometimes even on the weekends, I would write for one to two hours a day. You just schedule Just that. keeping it consistent because otherwise I knew if I gave up one day, it would shake my routine. And then I'd feel like, well, I don't really feel like it today, you know, and that would become a routine. And that so, would turn into two weeks. Yeah, and exactly. Month, so keeping yourself consistent is really important too. That's a good, that's a good message. Cause I think you're right. Yes. And don't think of it as a, I have to write for eight hours today. That's <laughs> you super overwhelming. That long? Yes. Oh my gosh, that'd be exhausting. So yeah, I think if you can just break it into chunks, like here's my weekly goal. And just, I think I heard someone say once that like, they were just shooting for 500 words a day. And when you think about that, that's like a page. That's not very much. It's <laughs> Maybe not. two pages, you know, it's not a, not a lot, but over the course of time, you build a book when you stick with it. So, yeah. That's awesome. That's really good advice, mm-hmm. I have to say, because I think 
you know, just between us two, we probably didn't have a little bit of advice kind of going into the book writing process. Mm -hmm. And I think it's good to find people that have done it Mm -hmm. and to get some in some insight. Yes, definitely. (laughs) It's nice to hear from someone who's been there already. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So are you nourishing your own family and your own garden at home and is that yeah. going well for you, kind of living the living your book life? Right. Are you doing that? Right. I, I, I hope that I am. <laughs> you should yes. be by now, right? Yes, yes, yeah. I think I'm much more intentional, you know, about trying to create these moments and showing my kids, like, the value. They know, though, because they, like, even now, they're 11 and 13, they still will run out to the garden after we get home from wherever we are in the summer and want to go see what's ready to pick, you know? So I feel like that's a really good sign because even though they're in middle school, they're not too cool yeah. <laughs> to garden. <laughs> so true. Yeah. yeah. But it's been a way of their life too. Right. right. Kind of like when you were younger. Right. So it all is coming back full yeah. circle for yeah. you. And I don't know how long that'll last. I hope it lasts forever. But, Hopefully they'll right. continue with their own right, families. Right. But when they're like 17, 18, they're going to they like, might, really, mom? They might take a little sabbatical from you. <laughs> Like, yeah. we'll come back after college. Yeah. And <laughs> yes, yes. But I have another, like, I want to write another book about, you know, cooking with your kids. And so I have this idea of thinking about intentionally creating a certain amount of recipes that I want to teach my kids by the time they're 18. And then share that in a book. Because I think every mom can teach their kids, like, 10 recipes. It doesn't have to be a huge amount but maybe 10 core recipes that they would be then prepared to go off with, you know, like that they would survive a brunch recipe (laughs) or a really great pasta recipe or whatever it is, you know, where they can feel really comfortable in the kitchen without having to feel like, Oh, I don't know, you know, how to do this. Calling you every two seconds. Yeah. (laughs) Which I'm, I'm fine with that Mm -hmm. too, but I want them to feel confident. And I think, I think that will help them a lot too in life. So that's a great idea too. Yeah. Is that so I was gonna my next question was, so where is Jen headed in the future? So we're gonna write another book. <laughs> another book is in the future. I have not started it yet. But it's in but it's rumbling in it's your brain. In here and yeah, I gotta <laughs> iron it all out. Um, I really like helping moms specifically create these moments too. So helping them figure out how to garden or helping them figure out like their kitchen. So what tools do they need? What are some simple recipes that they can make? Or maybe how, how can their kids be involved? And so I kind of have this special passion for family mealtime, mm-hmm. creating those moments, whether it's about the growing, you know, growing your food or just learning about food while you're in the kitchen, cooking that food. And, and kind of bringing together. that to life to your yes. audience. Yes. So are you doing like, um, you're, are you still blogging? I'm still blogging, and but I've also been kind of branching off into video. Okay. So I've been doing Facebook Live videos, trying to do those weekly on my Facebook page, um, just showing like a really simple recipe and some really great kitchen tools that I think people need to make these recipes so that they're like a 30-minute or less recipe. So you're not intimidated by the kitchen. You're not intimidated by cooking a healthier option, but um, you, you feel like you're confident. So building confidence and trying to do that. And then also some YouTube videos that are actually tied in with my book with the recipes. And so you're still continuing that good theme of those two principles that you kind of still go back to. Yeah. Yeah. 
What's your favorite tool in the kitchen? Mm. That's a hard one because I have a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would say a good knife, like a chef's knife. A lot of times people will ask me like, well, which knives should I get? And I'm like, you really only need three. You need a chef's knife, you need a serrated knife, and you need a a paring knife. That's it. You don't need the set of 10 or 12 knives. And the nice big block of... Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think if you have a good chef's knife, that can actually take you a a long ways. But, um, And sometimes I like chopping just because it's relaxing to me. Is it? And I think that actual physical movement you know, movement, and you can see what you're doing and you're creating and you can have your kids help you, I think. Your kids probably so. cut things better than I do. <laughs> you I you taught know. them properly how to I don't know. <laughs> not cut off their fingers and yeah. have that beautiful motion of a knife. <laughs> it does. It looks so like, it looks like you're playing a violin or I, something. I, 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 don't I, know. I like that too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're not at that level, but... <laughs> They're probably pretty good, actually. They're, they're working on it. <laughs> so so we got another book, and you're doing videos. Is there anything else? You know, or, you know, I know that you're going to be developing major things in the future because there's a lot of awesome things in that brain of yours. So Maybe I too know many you, things. Get, yeah. you have a lot. I, every time I talk to you, I always get inspired or learn something new or I get energized by you. So you're awesome. To, oh, well, thanks. Just talk. We could talk more actually, but I oftentimes get drained by myself. because <laughs> so Lots many of dialogue going up going there. On. And then, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like coming to Fancy is always fun for me because I feel like I come and get inspired and I think of new things. Um, something that I'm thinking about is a video series or a podcast or something that's, share a meal, share a memory, and how a meal really does create the memory, but actually not my meals and memories, but interviewing other people about that and how they can share those and hopefully inspire another mom that hears it or sees it or whatever it becomes. I don't know. Thinking about that. that, My mom's spaghetti is the best. My mom's chocolate cake is the best. Kind of that. Yeah. And if I think back when I started my blog... The first name of it, which I then changed, it actually never was this, but the first um, web address was everymealisamemory.com. <laughs> Here it comes full circle again. <laughs> Here we are. Here we're coming back. <laughs> See, all your kind of original yes. ideas are all coming back yes. and just, it's you're ready for them funny. now. Yeah. You're ready to execute them and get them yeah. out there. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And then I became a Pampered Chef consultant in August. And so I've been really having fun with that because that allows me to just like offer so many great tips and recipes and, and tools to go with those to help moms in the kitchen. Cause well, their knives are awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. It's yeah. I, that's all I use. I think I have about 50 pairing knives of Pampered <laughs> Chef. I love them. Yeah. I think I have, I've lost about six of them. Yeah. <laughs> But they, but that's that's yeah. another great addition to yes. your whole, you know, your whole kind of package. Yeah. And that's a perfect fit. Yeah. I know. When I came to it, I'm like, why am I not doing this? It's really, it just goes with it. I love the values that Pampered Chef has. It's all about family, bringing family back to the kitchen, back to the table, and creating satisfying meals in a stress-free way, you know, in 30 minutes or less. Because I think that's what we all want. Totally. Completely. I mean, it's fun to cook a prolonged meal, but... You enjoy the food so much more when it's 30 minutes or less. Right, right. (laughs) Why not have it be quicker? And then that way people are there to enjoy it. Um, Recently, I was at a conference where 
a person spoke about how she goes into people's homes and gathers information about what they do for meals. So like what foods are in their kitchen, what they serve, how mealtime works. And she showed some snapshots. She's not a dietitian, but she's like an information gatherer, I guess, for different companies. Um, I was blown away by what I was seeing because not one snapshot she showed was actually a family sitting around a table. They were all, mom makes a meal, puts it on the counter, and whenever you have time in your schedule, you'll come to that counter, and nobody eats with each other. And I was just like, really? That's bizarre. That's scary to me. It's very sad. Now, I don't know if that's everybody. These were a few snapshots that she showed. That's kind of consistent, though. She went to different Yes, homes. and I even asked, like, how often does it happen that you see a family eating around the table? And she says it's rare. Huh. So I feel like the family meal offers so much more than just the food because you're communing together, you're connecting, you're talking about your day, you're nourishing your soul, and there's so much research about the family meal mm-hmm. and what it can do for your family and your kids, you know, less risky behaviors, less depression, better overall weight, you know, management, better health in general. I think there's so much that a family meal can offer. And I think, you know, now as I work in a school district as well, I see yeah. a lack of families sometimes coming together for anything really. And so I've, I wonder about the possibilities of if we were able to reconnect families back together and not have such crazy schedules mm-hmm. all the time, how could that help families? How would that actually end up helping our communities, our police officers, our schools? Because, you know, a lot of bad things happen because of a lack of a family unit coming together and being connected. So I wonder about that. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's but, a lot. That's a yeah. lot to ponder, though. Yeah. And it's a trickle down effect, mm-hmm. and it all starts in the home, home. with your kids. Mm-hmm. And see, I just I'm, I'm picturing <laughs> I'm picturing like three more books from Jen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this one's the the tree trunk, the one I already have. And then there's branches. And there's all these off. branches, and they're yeah. full of leaves and lots of sprouts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tell my kids I want to write a, a children's book about gardening. And I want them to be in it. And I don't know if they're too hip on that, actually. But I think uh, when they're older, they would, they'll think, oh, that's cool. But right now, they're like, really? <laughs> that's hilarious. We're constantly your little... Well, yeah, exactly. They're there to inspire My you into yes. yeah. trial with you. Right, right. Yeah. Well, I have some fun questions for you. Okay. And I'm so <laughs> grateful for you sharing your story and your expertise and your inspiration. But these are just fun. Okay. So you can just answer them with whatever you comes to mind. Okay. So what is your favorite food? Mm, pasta with pesto. From the garden. Homemade pesto? Yes, homemade Basil. pesto. And Parmesan cheese. And that's all I need. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> but pizza is a close second, I would say. You like Italian then? I like Italian. But the pizza doesn't necessarily have an Italian flair. Like barbecue chicken pizza, I really oh, love. Oh, yeah. A little different. Mm-hmm. What's your least favorite food? Mm, liver. <laughs> Beaten liver. <laughs> well, I had to as a child. Did you really? Yeah. It was something that Part was on the our family. Table. 
family meal yeah. times. Family meal time <laughs> and liver had been cooked. Um, we, my dad would always have a few head of cattle, and then we would take Eat one to everything. the butcher shop, and the liver would come home. So you dreaded liver day. So I will never eat it, ever. You never will make your There's very eat few it. foods that I will eat, and that is one. Yeah. What's your favorite drink? Mm, I would say milk or orange juice. Those are both delicious. <laughs> yes, yes. And they're satisfying. What's your least favorite drink? Coffee. I dislike coffee. I'll never drink it. <laughs> That's what, it was funny today when we went to the breakfast. There was coffee and then there was creamer. And you were like, I'm just, I just filled up this <laughs> cup with some milk because yeah. I don't drink coffee. Yes. Yes. And I pretty much emptied out the whole thing that was supposed to you go did. in someone's coffee. Oh, well. They just replaced but, it. Yes. <laughs> yes. What's your favorite smell? Hmm. I think it's the, well, probably two. They have to do with summer. The smell of fresh cut hay reminds me of being little and actually helping bale hay with my grandpa and my dad and everybody. Um, also, the smell of tomato leaves. I don't like think if you I've ever, ever have like touched them. a tomato plant and then you smell your fingers and it just smells so earthy and fresh and I don't know, I just love it. I'm gonna have to. I've never smelled yeah. that before. I've smelled hay, but not yeah. interesting. Yeah. I don't but, know. I just, I, you know, you smell it and you're like, oh. It's the gardener in you. I guess. <laughs> What's your least favorite smell? <laughs> least favorite smell? Um, stinky feet. <laughs> <laughs> and you have a son, so that's going to happen. Well, I, and, the, and that probably comes from when I was in high school. One of the classes we had was to learn how to wrap an ankle. And my partner... <laughs> Had the worst smelling feet ever. And I had to wrap her ankle and I was like, oh, oh just give man. me a close pen. Did you just have to do it once or did you have to do it like? It was like several times, oh, I feel like. We had to practice. That's painful. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What's your guilty pleasure when it comes to food? Hmm. Eating cookie dough raw. <laughs> that is a big no no. <laughs> I do use pasteurized eggs, though. Well, that's good. Well, but yeah. you're a little safer. And then. I tell my kids that. I'm like, it's okay. We have pasteurized <laughs> eggs. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending time with oh. me today. And it was fun hanging out with you tonight. And I look forward to being at our booth tomorrow here in Boston at yes. Fancy. And it's so great to know you. Yes, it's great to know you. Thank you. This was so much fun. Good. Every time I'm with Jen, her energy is so contagious. It's always great to hear about the cool things she does as a registered dietitian and learn about the cool things she wants to do in the future. And I just love spending time with her. Please go to AnnaElizabethRD.com where my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What? is available and you can find all the show notes and links to the things we talked about. Please remember to connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at AnnaElizabethRD. And remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.